This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we dive into eight major trends that will define the future of business with Shazrul Azari, Managing Partner at Bain & Company Malaysia. He's a member of Bain's Energy and Natural Resources, Advanced Analytics and Performance Improvement Practices. We'll be dissecting their latest report, uh, Present Shock and Future Sensing, which offers a glimpse into the strategies business need to thrive in this era of unpredictability. And of course, over the course of this conversation, you'll learn about the eight major trends identified in the report that are reshaping the business environment and the strategies that businesses can adopt to shift to these more effectively. We'll get into the rise of AI, the dual challenge of decarbonization and energy provision, explore the potential impact of a post-globalized world as a new global order potentially emerges, as well as the concept of capital rationalization and what it means for businesses and economies. We'll dive into what Bain & Company means by rehumanizing work and its significance in today's business environment. If you have any thoughts on this, you can WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Or you can reach us on X at BFM Radio. Uh, Shazul, thank you for joining me in the studio today. How are you doing? Good, Roshan. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, this was an interesting report. I mean, on one side, it made me uh, think like, okay, these are the different ways that businesses are going to need to adapt. On the other end, it also made me like uh, anxious and scared about a bunch of different things. Uh, and we'll get into all these changes uh, throughout the conversation. But first of all, how does the concept of future sensing help businesses navigate the increasingly uh, volatile macroeconomic environment and the shorter business cycles that we're seeing. Okay. So, uh, Roshan, maybe I'll, I'll ask you a question, right? Have you, um, you know, Back to the Future, yes. the, the movie? Okay. Um, do you know the movie uh, Nujom Pak Belalang? The that that I do movie. not know. You know, the one, the one where you go, okay, one for you, uh, one for me. You're trying what? to test my generation Sorry. or what? Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's an excellent movie, right? Okay, I'll tell you a little bit about that movie. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, it's, an, it's a classic uh, Piramli movie. And it tells the story of this father and son team, right? And um, uh, the father is trying to make the son uh, an astrologer, right? Mm. Um, like a fake astrologer, basically. <laughs> and they were quite successful and they ended up being... Um, the astrologer Diraja, you know, like the royal royal astrologer, right? So astrologer, Nujom is basically um, astro- astrologer um, in, in English. And I think if businesses take that approach, right, uh, essentially faking it, um, trying to predict the future um, and, and outwardly project confidence and um, sticking to, you know, um, uh, you know, one... Uh, one path to the future, a second path to the future, or whoever shouts uh, shout loudest um, is the one that you follow, then we all do. Right? <laughs> so you don't want a CEO who's the father um, and, uh, and the chief strategy officer who's the son um, to do what Nujum Pak Blalang um, does, right? So what we, when we say future sensing, um, what we mean by that is um, the need for uh, businesses to approach the way they look at trends in the future uh, in a different way, right? 
um, we are in a in a world where business cycles are getting shorter, right? Um, we keep getting disrupted with various different trends. Um, and what basically businesses need is a more sensitive radar um, to new trends, um, and and not just understanding um, what are those new trends, but also when and what path those new trends might potentially take, right? So in, in our report, we suggest that there are three types of path, right? The, uh, trying, to, trying to understand what the trends are uh, is not so complicated. I mean, we've listed out eight in our report. But understanding when um, those trends will inflect, right, is what matters. So in, in our report, there is um, a gradual kind of path, mm-hmm. right? This is the usual path where consumers become more aware of new technology, new product. The second path is what we call a um, catalyzed path. So, for example, if you're in energy, um, uh, you know, um, old fossil fuel, right? In the US, uh, you get the IRA. Uh, in in the in Europe, you've got the carbon border adjustment mechanism. Uh, those are uh, new trends that will be catalyzed by new policies, by new technologies, and so on. And then finally, there's the more kind of viral path, right? As um, this one is quite obvious, like black swan events mm-hmm. like COVID-19, uh, pushing Zoom, uh, video conferencing, adoption of technology and digital collaboration to a different level. So that's what future sensing um, is about. So understanding what the trends are and when they might inflect. And then from the business perspective, uh, the way, I mean, we do strategies, right, for big companies, medium-sized companies, and so on. Um, the way that we think about strategy needs to also change. Um, we call this, like, developing a strategy under uncertainty, mm. right? So, you know, when you develop a strategy, um, a lot of assumptions go into it, right? Um, GDP forecast, profit forecast, right, and, and so on. Um what you need to do when you develop a strategy under uncertainty is to create uh, multiple scenarios and also very clear um, signposts, mm. right? Um, you know, you might take path A if signposts um, um, shows that you need to take path A and, and so on. And businesses will also need to, beyond the strategy, build more flexibility into their uh, operations. Um, and and so they think about investments too. Uh, it it's no longer um, uh, an environment where you can just go all in into two or three big things, right? right? Um, you've got to spread it out into what we call like three buckets, right? There are some no regret things like operational improvement, um, looking at costs. Um, then you want to develop in the second bucket some uh, initiatives that you put in as options and hedges, right? So uh, uh, joint ventures, uh, running some uh, small pilots, and then there are the ones that you really have to pay attention to, right? The big bets, for example, energy company going into renewables, right? Those are like um, huge bets um, that you need to be uh, take. You need to take a very thoughtful approach into going. And then the final point is uh, adapting uh, the way that businesses think about uh, capital, right? Financial mm-hmm. and also uh, talent. Uh, I, I like the three buckets, uh, yeah. no regrets, uh, options and hedges, as well as uh, big bets, big right? Bets, yes. So it's, I mean, from a personal perspective, yeah. we just did New Year's resolutions, right? Or a lot of people did New Year's resolutions. <laughs> uh, you can kind of think of your life in that way. But from a business perspective, um, a great way to also implement strategy, right. always think about the way you want to approach those things. Um, Shazul, let's go into the, the okay. eight major trends identified in this report. Talk to us about them and how they're reshaping the business environment. Sure. 
So there are eight major trends, a lot. Um, <laughs> the details are in the report, but let me try my best to summarize we'll it try in, and a, get through all of them. In, in a succinct way, right? But before that, how do we um, get to these eight, mm. eight trends? Um, it's been a, um, the, the eight trends has come about from a confluence of some structural changes. Um, four that I can uh, point out to here. Number one, uh, computing power. I think a lot of us are familiar with Moore's law, right? Mm. Uh, but recently we have the advent of AI. Mm. Actually, so just Moore's law is just the, the idea that uh, computing power is always going, to, always going to double, correct? Exactly. And it's going to get faster exactly. and faster and faster. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it has stayed the cost, right, for, for many, many years. So what, what is happening in computing right now is that um, the uh, discoveries in AI and the developments in AI is requiring much more computing power than most law can catch up mm. right? with. So that's kind of um, one big structural uh, change. And we will see like, uh, like an exponential um, uh, requirement for computing power. And with technological advancement, advancement um, with um, the increase in the need of computing power, um, there's a um, buildup of you know, carbon and also uh, stresses to the climates, right? To the to the to the climate, and we've seen we've seen this um, emissions peak, right? But there's still a lot more that we need to do. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, the financial markets, um, for reasons I won't go through here, is facing like a huge debt burden, right? Our mm -hmm. uh, debt uh, um, ratio has gone like double, you know, um, since from 1970. Uh, we were at about 110%. In 2022, we are now at about 240%. And right, this is global? global? Global, global, mm. right? And uh, finally, there's also the aging population, right? Um, let me pick some numbers here. So 7% uh, in 2000, 7 uh, in the year 2000, uh, uh, people over 65 uh, years old, right? 65 years old is generally like when, um, you know, people retire in the Western world. And in 2050, this is estimated to rise to about 17%. Wow. Right? So what that means is that um, the formation of capital becomes lower. We need to uh, also then uh, fund, right? Uh, those people who are in, in retirement and so on. So the confluence of these many different things is pushing the advancement of a few different trends, right? So number one is AI. I think AI is kind of very well covered already, right? So everybody knows that AI will improve productivity, right? By many estimates, about 33% of productivity easily you can get, right? From, from most other words. But where um, we are seeing companies um, not paying enough attention is that AI will also revolutionize the way that customers um, interact with the companies, right? So hyper-personalization, uh, for example, right? Um, uh, in the way that uh, um, companies can uh, uh, sell more value-added services, right? And we can talk about this later. And also what we call agent-led discovery, right? The way that you purchase things um, can be uh, done by AI uh, in a much better way than potentially human can. So that's, that's AI. On post-globalization, which is the second one, right? Um, if you look at data, global growth has peaked um, in 2008. Um, and it has meandered around the same level, uh, say for like some dips actually in 2008, 2009, and also during COVID. And we know also that, you know, Ukraine, Gaza, and if you look at the data also, military spending has gone up, right, uh, to three, 3 trillion in tw uh, by 2030, the estimates. 
uh, from about 1.9 trillion in 2020. So it's kind of showing signs of geopolitical tension. So when we say post-globalization, um, businesses now need to reconfigure um, for this world um, where uh, countries are now becoming uh, increasingly um, siloed, right, and, and isolated. We're seeing fragmentations in... in we're, seeing, we're seeing blocks come about as well. Correct. So, you know, if you are a business and you have a global operation, right, um, you're actually seeing evidence now, right, reshoring of manufacturing and services, um, diversifying supply chain, right? And even some companies are moving their R&D um, and also hedging, right, in terms of where they will get their talents. So you see like a rise in um, engineering hiring in, for example, India, right, where the governments are quite supportive of uh, new companies setting up there. So that's kind of post-globalization. Uh, the third one is this waving goodbye to the invisible hand, mm. kind of very fancy, right? <laughs> um, Adam Smith. Um, so this discusses um, uh, super profits, right? Big, huge companies uh, uh, making huge profits. And it has been fueled by um, actually a few more like waves, right? Of uh, labor supply, right? Financial liberalization, globalization, uh, commodity super cycle, right? We had like a point when, when prices of um, oil and energy was quite low, right? Um, internet platforms automation, right? And over time, it has created um, a disparity, right? In terms of uh, the, the, the mightier companies become, the, um, become even stronger, mm-hmm. right? And the smaller, medium-sized companies are increasingly stressed, right? Because they have to uh, add more debt. Uh, they have to fight against this, like, almost um, huge behemoth that you, you are unable to fight, right? So yeah, The goliaths of the, the world. The goliaths of the world. That's right. That's right. Word. And what it has also driven is uh, basically inequality, right? Not just at the company level, but also at, you know, employees, um, in economies, right? And... Um, uh, we foresee that this will lead to a lot more uh, government and states become more interventionist, mm-hmm. right? Because there are companies are, these are some of the companies that are too big to fail, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes the, the government has to come in and bail out. Like if you look at the global financial crisis, right? it's unpopular and uh, governments and politicians will tend to uh, come in and, and do something about that, right? So we're no longer going to let the market be the market. Uh, we've seen governments get involved with uh, in, in the capital markets in business. So yeah. could, this basically it, what, we're, what we're expecting to see more of this going forward. Yeah. So we, we expect this to see, we expect to see more of this going forward. Um, and what will actually happen is that, you know, there will be more regulations, more taxations, right? Um, which, which will hamper profit, mm. right? So there is a question whether, for some of these big uh, giant companies, right? Have we um, uh, hit peak profits, mm. right? Uh, so yeah, that's something to grapple with. Again, we don't know, right? Again, this future sensing is <laughs> it, the, the point is today we want to understand what are the, the different trends that are for us to watch out, right? Yeah. Uh, folks, you're listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And on that note, today we're exploring eight major trends that will define the future of business with Shazrul Azari of Bain & Company, Malaysia. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, <coughs> the business station. Binge-friendly movies. BFM 
89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, I'm Roshan Kanison, and welcome back to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we're exploring eight major trends that will define the future of business with Shazrul Azari, the managing partner at Bain & Company Malaysia. This is on the back of a report from Bain & Company. Among these trends includes the rise of AI, managing decarbonization, and navigating a post-globalized world as a new global order emerges. Uh, Shazul, at the, actually on that note, we were just talking about that post-globalized world mm. and what it could look like, how profits could be. Sorry, we were talking about the invisible hand, if I'm invisible not mistaken, yeah. and how in the longer term, I guess it could be, uh, maybe we've seen peak profits with, as governments get more involved. Yeah. Uh, could we briefly go through the other major trends before we dive into them? Sure. So um, we've covered uh, AI, post-globalization, and invisible hand. Um, the fourth uh, item is re- rehumanization of work, right? Um, we've seen this movie before, actually. You know, <laughs> AI, automation, right? Uh, loss of uh, jobs and so on, right? Um, we've seen this in the 1960s, hmm. right? Um, when mechanization came into uh, play. Um, and we actually see it in the 80s. So I'm still trying to um, figure out like which uh, generation you're from. <laughs> if, if you remember in the 1980s, right, we've got movies like Blade Runner and The Terminator. I've watched the movies. Uh, I'll, okay. tell you that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that was the zeitgeist of the time, right? Like um, when the rise of personal computing and we have these androids, right? And it will kind of take over the world and it will, will like destroy, destroy kind of humankind. Um, you know, if we... We have like our mama and tetarit chat, right? We mm. talk about AI. Always goes down to like we all do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Based on what we learned from iRobot, the Terminator, <laughs> and L, um, eventually the robots are going to figure out that humans are, you know, a problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know what we, we what will we do? You know, um, as as humans, but. You know what? What we believe is just just like mechanization and the rise of personal computing, AI will will actually take away the menial mm. tasks that um, quite a big chunk of our uh, working population right now uh, do, right? So you think about like um, some of the changes that we've, we're seeing already in the, in the um, office, right? Um, transcribing meeting notes. You don't need like one person to, you know, that it's like a, a work that nobody really wants to mm-hmm. do, you know, like transcribing and summarizing. and all. We can get AI to do that, right? But what that means is for businesses is that they need to think about um, elevating the employees uh, to a much higher value-added work. And they have to do it like now, right? Investing in learning and development. And when we say um, higher value-added activities, what are the skills that we need and uh, what we feel are the most important skills going forward is um, you know, problem-solving skills, right? Um, creativity and also interpersonal skills. Right, so because you you need to now differentiate yourself from AI, right? Mm-hmm. If you continue to go down the path of transcribing notes, you will not have a job going forward. So that's the challenge for business um, on rehumanizing work. So actually, we feel that the the future of work is actually more human. Um, you know, if if you know what I mean, like it's more human. It in, involves more interaction, and it involves um, you know things that emotions, things that AI will I think over time learn. But not in the in the future that um, uh, we we um, uh, see right in the mid mid to the uh, mid in the midterm. 
And then the next challenge is a dual challenge of uh, decarbonization and energy provision. This was an interesting one. Yeah. 1.5 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all clear. This is the, 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 target. the target, right? And we also know that um, uh, the we need to reduce emissions by about 43% in 2030. We are in now in 2024. <laughs> it's not a lot of time to go. And by all measures, I think we are not really keeping pace, right? Um, so we need to do a lot more on decarbonization, right? All of us, right? Like energy companies, the consumers, the builders, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other hand, um, we've got the geopolitical tensions, mm-hmm. right? Um, you saw what happened with Ukraine and, and Russia, right? Like Germany almost got cut off um, from, from the gas supply, right? And the world is reconfiguring. So on this, um, again, it goes back to the future sensing, like what, what should company do with um, these trends, right? It's like very good scenario planning is important. Um, having the flexibility, building in flexibility into your business decisions and your operations and the way you do financial and, and capital budgeting uh, and so on is um, very important because you almost need to bounce between these two ends, right? Um, the decarbonization push is, is going to be there. It's going to continue to accelerate. Sometimes it goes um, higher, sometimes it goes lower. And then on the other hand, um, the uh, energy security, right, becomes also quite important. So, yeah, companies need to um, uh, be able to navigate those two with agility. The next one is bites to uh, breaks. In this post-globalization world uh, and post-pandemic, right, uh, uh, companies start to realize that the best product, technology, uh, sales and also marketing and also customer service, it counts for nothing if you can't get the product to the customer, mm-hmm. Right. So there was a huge push on supply chain, digitalization, um, if efficiency, right? But what they now need to also move into um, is uh, to look at the resiliency and flexibility of their, their supply chain, right? So that's bites to break. Um, the next one is also very important, uh, capital rationalization. Yeah, this one, need, just break this down for us because yeah. um, people are going to get a bit more selective with the way capital is going to be allocated. Correct. So, I mean, as um, everyone here is feeling it, right? Um, inflation, cost of capital has gone up because, um, you know, governments have increased um, the base rates. And uh, I guess day to day, people don't see this. But if you're the CFO, CEO of a company, you are having to face quite... Um, uh, difficult choices on how you manage uh, debt, right, and also costs, right? And we've seen actually um, that um, the work average cost of capital, right, has gone up from about um, 6%, right, for S&P 500 companies in, in the early 2022 um, to about 10% now, right? Uh, in some jurisdictions, it's even more. And and what, what happens, right, when um, this cost of capital increase, uh, the value of investing in growth, right? So building new businesses, going into new adjacencies, relative to improvements in uh, margin improvements, right? So cutting costs, making our supply chain uh, more uh, efficient and so on. Um, it changes very significantly, right? So mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it, right? You have $1, um, do I... 
if I have a mamak stall, do I go and open another mamak stall? Or um, do I use it to improve kind of the way that I operate, right? Because the returns can be different and uh, can be very different actually when uh, cost of capital is high. So, you know, when, when cost of capital is low, right, we can elaborate on this a little bit more later, but the, the strategies to accelerate growth, right, create far more value, right? Um, so hence why you see, you know, companies investing in, um, you know, renewables, right? They're putting options and hedges on even further down technologies like direct ad capture for, for decarbonization, right, and so on. Um, but uh, uh, versus like uh, efforts to improve margins, right, profit margins. And also vice versa, right? Now, cap- now capital, uh, cost of capital is higher, right? Companies are now becoming more uh, focused on improving like uh, revenues, profit margins, and so on, right? And we can talk about Netflix, for example. They, they, their biggest KPI used to be um, uh, net uh, subscriber ad, added, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like growth mode. Yeah. But now if you look at the tone of the conversation, it's different, right? It's all about revenue. It's about improving margins. It's about like, you know, uh, profits. Uh, so the tone of businesses is changing as well. And last uh, but not least is uh, seeking community among uh, fragmented experience. Hmm. Okay. This is kind of like um, a set discovery. Let me put it that way, right? <laughs> we, we look at one data uh, point and in America, and I'm, I, well, this is something that was done, in, uh, the survey was done in America, but I'm sure it, you can see this trend also everywhere. Um, in, in 2021, four times more Americans uh, compared to 1990 uh, say that they don't have any close friends, right? Um, the world is becoming increasingly siloed for them. Um, these individuals are getting disconnected from, uh, from the communities, right? So... Uh, looking at this trend, right, what businesses need to do is they need to begin to play a more crucial role uh, in rebuilding the social fabric, right, um, within their companies, right, uh, create that sense of belonging uh, within the employees and also actually with the consumers, right. And that's that's kind of number one. Number two, with the disconnected individual individuals, they must work harder to understand um, they are customers as individuals. Uh, those of you have done like consumer product type strategy, right? Uh, or any, any kind of consumer facing strategy, you typically do like segments, right? Um, you've got uh, a segment of the um, uh, rich and famous, for example, or you've got the segment of the uh, uh, very thrifty, uh, thrifty um, uncles and aunties, right? Um, it used to work in this world where uh, when, when people are still living in communities because then you can target those segments as a group, right? Uh, but now with this more uh, individual uh, nature of how people live their life, right? You've got to now go down and really understand the customer and do a lot more work actually to, to uh, understand uh, what is the value proposition of your business uh, to those individual customers. So those are the eight trends. 
Shazrul, when we come back, we'll talk about a few of those trends in sure. more detail. Folks, I've been speaking with Shazrul Azari, the managing partner at Bain & Company in Malaysia. And we've been talking about eight major trends that will define the future of business. You've been listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. I'm Roshan Kanasen. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. I'm Roshan Kanasen and welcome back to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we're exploring eight major trends that will define the future of business with Shazrul Azari, managing partner at Bain & Company Malaysia. Among these trends includes the rise of AI, managing decarbonization and navigating the post-globalized world. Um, so clearly, we're not going to be able to get through all these eight in detail, but we've gone through, I guess, the headlines in terms of what businesses, mm. what these things, these trends entail and what they kind of yeah. mean for businesses. Uh, let's touch on a few key ones. And in particular, I think uh, AI rehumanizing work and post-globalization might be some good ones to touch on. So yeah. um, what strategies can businesses adopt to adapt to the challenges that are coming about because of the AI trend? Sure. So, as I covered before, um, productivity uh, gains from AI is well covered, right? Like, um, knowledge is becoming um, easier to access, right? Content, workflow-heavy activities can be automated. So, 33% of um, efficiency easily you can get out of productivity. The second axis is uh, essentially um, businesses needing to revolutionize the way they, they interact with, um, uh, with customers, Right. Um, so we, we put this in kind of three buckets, right? Mm -hmm. number, the bucket number one is what we call hyper-personalization. So when you think about that marketing uh, campaign, you know, uh, juxtaposed against the earlier individuals disconnected from communities and all that, right? AI can do um, a lot of uh, wonderful work um, to, to really customize uh, the marketing campaign and the sales, um, uh, the, the sales programs that you're doing right, as a company. So that's bucket number one. Uh, bucket number two um, is looking at how your business can offer value-added services to the customers. Right? So if you give an example, I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who's got like um, a um, facial and beauty kind of like a chain, right? And they are looking into uh, AI. So you, you can like, for example, stand in front of your, uh, you have an app, the app scans your face, and it will tell you like, are you kind of the oily skin type? Are you kind of the, you've got big pores kind of type? And immediately within like the fraction, within like a minute or so, uh, it, that app can offer you, okay, this is kind of your skincare routine, right? Wow. Like you do this in the morning, you do this in the afternoon and, and so on. So that's kind of value added that you can get out of AI. And the, the final one is um, agent-led discovery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, many of us will have interacted with um, your, you know, your uh, mutual fund agents, right? Or if you go down to the to the car showroom, they are trying to sell you a car, right? And uh, with a lot of businesses that we advise, uh, we do a lot of customer experience type work. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is the consistency in uh, the provision of that service, right? Like salesperson A is super good, super empathetic, really trying to understand the customer, and salesperson number B, uh, salesperson B 
is you know completely disconnected and so on, right? So AI um, can help um, the customers actually in a more consistent way, and actually can pick up some little nuances that maybe even human can't, right? So you have productivity on one axis, and the other um, axis is basically your the, the revolutionizing of the way that you interact with uh, customers as a business. So if you are in a business where you can have huge gains in um, productivity, right? You intersect that with the ability uh, for you to really change the way that you interact with the customer. You almost need to think about um, ways for you to reinvent your business because you are actually being really disrupted by AI, right? Uh, on the other hand, if you're a business, so a business um, like in, in this quadrant, if you think about like, um, you know, a two, a two by two, uh, these are businesses like, you know, uh, uh, the ones that are R&D heavy, bio and uh, biotech and, and so on, right? There are different ways of doing things now. And if you're a business where productivity is, um, you know, there's a lot, the, the way that you interact with customers, uh, it's not really going to change much because it is very human heavy and so on. Then you really need to focus on your uh, productivity, operating uh, improvement and so on. And if you're a business where on the other quadrant where, the customer interaction um, will be revolutionized, then you really have to think hard about, you know, what is your value proposition and how do you offer your services to, to the customers? So, you know, what businesses need to do, I think at the moment you've got to start with the very basic, right? The AI literacy on all your employees as a minimum, right? And making sure that they are all not scared of AI and they look at AI in a, in a positive way. Um, number two, building um, infrastructure in your company. So I'm not talking just about the tech infrastructure, uh, but also the uh, space, right, for your employees to experiment uh, with AI. And at the uh, topmost level, right, your CEOs, your strategy uh, guy, um, you need to think about the opportunities and risk uh, which AI possess, right? And a few of these big um, areas, you got to be very top down about it and really drive uh, the change. So that's AI. And let's talk a little bit about uh, on the back of AI, rehumanizing work and its significance uh, for the current business environment. Let's elaborate a little further on that. Okay, so I think we've already spoke about, um, you know, uh, Terminator uh, and also Blade <laughs> Runner, right? Um, so internet has changed the, the economics of knowledge, right? So information is very, very much available. And what will be you know, more important is the underlying capacity for human to do problem solving in a, in a more structured, in a, in a better way. Um, reigniting that creativity in, in kind of individuals, in, in the employee, and also building up on this interpersonal uh, connection, right? And these are the factors that will affect performance of uh, employees uh, going forward, right? More than, uh, more than what it used to. So we know on problem solving, right? Um, there is actually a weak correlation between IQ and actually economic success of the individual. Um, and we uh, and research has also shown that uh, we can um, teach and humans can actually learn, right? Irrespective of, I mean, you've got to have a threshold IQ, um, thinking strategies, right? So what, what we mean by that is like, establishing perspective, breaking down problems, um, framing analytical reasoning, right? And all of this can improve the individual decision-making. So that's on problem solving. 
um, on creativity, true creative genius is rare. I think we can all um, admit <laughs> that and we can all name like um, someone who we, we think are um, like true uh, creative genius. But actually everyday creativity can be thought, right? Um, but this requires uh, a very high level of formal uh, and informal interaction on a daily basis, right? So job rotations in companies become um, quite um, uh, important. Um, the ability for individuals to express and communicate openness is also becoming important, right? And tolerance to failure is also important. And uh, this is basically a culture change, right, that you need to drive in the company. And we know culture change is hard, right? So it takes two or three years to really uh, change the, the culture of the company. And then finally, on the interpersonal connection, we've gone through like few decades where there's a huge drive on efficiency. So it's a bit like command and control, right? And um, we've seen actually some, some research also that says that there is a negative correlation between um, what we call agreeableness, right? Which is a command and control um, kind of uh, trait and income level. Meaning like in, in the past like few decades, you know, everyone is being told that you got to follow what you're told, right? Um, so, however, going forward, right, you need more uh, employees with more empathy, in introspection, and uh, also uh, leaders are role modeling like new types of, um, you know, interpersonal kind of behaviors. And, and again, it also goes back to um, related to the creativity point, which is a bit of a change in, in culture. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the rehumanizing uh, work, right, and what businesses need to do. Folks, I've been speaking with Shazul Azari, the managing partner at Bain Company Malaysia, and we've been talking about the eight key, eight major trends that will define the future of business here on Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. I'm Roshan Kanazin. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Burgers from Mamas. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9 and Roshan Kanesan and welcome back to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we're exploring eight major trends that will define the future of business with Shazrul Azari, managing, direct, managing partner at Bain & Company Malaysia. Uh, we've briefly touched on all eight trends. Earlier, we dove into the rise of AI and what that means for businesses, as well as the trend of rehumanizing work. Uh, Shazal, another big one that's going to be that's going to be uh, that's going to have major implications, I guess, on international business and trade is the shift towards post globalization. So, um, talk to us a little bit about that. So, um, <clears throat> Roshan, uh, first of all, let me start with what companies are doing. Right, uh, we see uh, technology companies are diversifying their supply chain. Right, um, they are not just looking at you know, there are sources of uh, components, for example, but they're also looking at softer elements like where they do their uh, R&D, um, where the talent pools that they need um, in the future. So, for example, AI is a big uh, thing, right? So a lot of companies are now setting up their research centers in, in um, India, for example, where the supply of talent is huge. And we see also in the semiconductor industry uh, that they are investing in fabs in the US, in Japan and Germany. So what this will um, do is that it will create new technology hubs and it will shift the competitive landscape um, and the demand for talent right, uh, globally. So uh, Apple, for example, 
uh, we project that uh, they, the iPhones, they, 90% of iPhones are made in, in the US, uh, sorry, in China, right? The, the, uh, in China. And by 2025, um, this will drop by about 10 points, right? Um, airports, uh, about 50% are made in China. It, this will drop to maybe like 40, 30, 30 something percent, right? So we are already seeing uh, this uh, shift happening. And what businesses need to do is not just assess their supply chain, right? Manufacturing, components, suppliers, these are all very obvious things, right? But if you are in a business where you need rapid innovation, you need to also start to think about like where you source those R&D uh, talents uh, in the future, right? And the second one is this, right? Uh, in the post-globalization world, like if you look at supply chain, companies are making their supply chain a bit more resilient, flexible, sustainable. But you can't harden the whole kind of supply chain because mm -hmm. that will cost you an enormous amount of money and you know, it will impact your, your uh, cost to serve, right? So taking a, a, a risk-based approach um, is quite important. So looking at where your supply chain is most vulnerable, Right, and where um, it will have the most impact on your earnings is where you want to be doubling down on. And the third one is um, evaluating your options. Right, um, you know there is a saying that don't don't miss a good crisis. Right, and if you look at uh, various different um, regimes in the world, right, governments are putting in all sorts of different incentives to attract uh, investments to attract. Uh, talents to attract businesses to set up in their geography, right, through subsidies, through incentives, and, and so on. And um, the final one is once you have uh, decided, like, which part of the supply chain uh, that you want to move, whether it's R&D, talent, and so on, uh, once you've evaluated the option, you when you set up base, uh, you need to be ready to invest, right, in building the know-how. Because most of this... Uh, incentives, subsidies, and so on, they come with a bit of quid, quid pro quo, right? Uh, which is usually the development of the local ecosystem. So uh, you can't keep everything uh, within the company. You need to do better with partnerships, building local talents, and, and, and so on. So obviously, we've only... Uh We've only deep dived into sure. three or four of those uh, key major trends mm -hmm. there. Uh, luckily, there's a report that people can uh, go to and we'll link that in the show notes later. Otherwise, I'm sure if people just search uh, Google search Future Sensing and Bain and Company, they'll be able to find it online. Indeed, yes. Um, Shazul, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before we get you back in the studio for other topics. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you, Roshan. Folks, I've been speaking with Shazaru Azari, Managing Partner at Bain & Company Malaysia, and you've been listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.ni or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other major podcast players. Just look up Enterprise Explores. I'm Roshan Connison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.